Welcome to Anchor Church's podcast. How can an ancient text that is so primitive and regressive and honestly strange continue to have such a massive influence in our world today? In this episode, we hope to convince you why you have already wanted to read the Bible by showing you what makes it the good book. If you've ever been interested in the most popular book in human history, then this is for you. Let's listen. All right, so I want to start with a question, and then I'm going to I'm going to give you the answer right away. So pop quiz and then the answer. So the question is, why do we do the things that we do? And you don't have to worry because I'm going to give you the answer right away. This is the profound answer, in my opinion. I don't know. I guess you can be the judge of that. Why do we do the things that we do? Well, we do the things that we do because we want to. I'll give you an example. Why did Han and I go to Dairy Queen at 9 o'clock at night? We did because we wanted a free ice cream cone on free ice cream cone day, right? <laughs> why, why did I spend three hours on TikTok? Because I wanted endless entertainment in the form of short videos about Marvel theories? Why, why, did, <laughs> why did I spend every night for a month flailing my arms slicing virtual boxes during Beat Saver when I got my Oculus, VR Oculus, if you know what that is, flailing. I was committed to flailing. Why did I do that? Well, because I wanted to get to Expert Plus mode, which I did, which I did. You can hold the applause. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> why, why did you call your mom today? Because you wanted to talk to somebody who actually wanted to talk to you, maybe? <laughs> Why do we do the things that we do? We do the things we do because we want to. Let me tell you a story. Um, I've been married to Hannah for, uh, what are we? We're going on 11 years now. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. <laughs> um, we, we've been married. So that means we got married really, really young. And so I can remember the conversation I had with her dad, asking her dad if it would be okay if I would marry her. And nervous doesn't even begin to describe what I was feeling. I was so petrified. You, what you gotta know is I was asking him this question a month after graduating high school. Kinda awkward, kinda awkward. And uh, this conversation with Dave was unique conversation with Dave because this was really, in as far as I remember, this was my first conversation with Dave, he was an, he's an engineer, so he doesn't talk a whole lot. <laughs> and I, he's, he he kind of, you know, he just doesn't have a lot to say. And, and I grew up without a dad, so I was always scared of any guy 23 and older. You know, I, that just scared me, having any kind of conversation like that. So, so here I am, just petrified. First conversation with a guy. I was half expecting to ask my question and him to respond by saying, and you are? But he didn't. He didn't. And luckily, the conversation was short. In fact, um, with all the different questions I was anticipating, like trying to think through how was I going to answer all the potential questions, he only asked one. And it was a question I wasn't expecting. He asked me, well, uh, do you like hanging out with Hana? And it was like time froze, and my mind started to spin. I'm like, is this a trick question? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Do I like hanging out with Han? What is he, wh what is he implying? Like hanging out? Wh what does that mean? 
like, do I like hanging out with Hannah? What am I supposed to say? Then I started to think, maybe it's not a trick question. Maybe there really is something about Hannah that I'm not catching. Like, does she not have any friends? Does she have, like, some B.O. problem that my love has been asking all this time? Like, why wouldn't I want to hang out with her? Why are you asking this question? And I, I, I was so thrown off. But luckily, <laughs> of course, it was a short conversation. That's all he asked. Do you like hanging out with Hannah? Looking back, <laughs> I didn't know that then, but I, I think, I think I, I, you know, at least I have my theory as to what he was getting at, what, what he really was uh, trying to say with that question is, to him, I think marriage is um, committing to hang out with the same person for the rest of your life. And so his real question, if you were to break it down, was just basically, are you marrying Hannah because you want to be married to Hannah? I think that might have been what he was getting at. I still got to ask him, but we... That we've only talked like twice since then, so we'll, uh, we'll wait another <laughs> couple decades till we talk again. I'll ask him that question. Um, but we're not talking about marriage. We're not talking about Dairy Queen. We're not talking about TikTok or Oculus tonight. We're not talking about Mother's Day necessarily tonight. Tonight what we're talking about is the Bible. And we're going to keep this in mind that we do the things that we do because we want to. As we talk about the Bible, which goes by a lot of names, I want to let you know, um, I'll probably be calling it different things tonight. Um, it goes by sometimes the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament, which is, you know, half of the Bible, will sometimes go by the Hebrew scriptures. It might go by the law or the law and the prophets. It has so many names that it kind of goes by. Um, I like to call it God's word. I might call it that. So lots and lots of names that this thing will be called um, but tonight we're going to call it the good book, the good book, the Bible. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sure we, we all have our different experiences um, with the good book, and we all have our different reasons why we don't read the good book. Um, maybe for you, maybe for you, um, you don't read the Bible maybe as much as you want to or as much as you maybe think you're supposed to. Um, because you, you just uh, haven't gotten around to it. Like, life gets busy. Like, you got to work to get paid, and, and you need money to eat and all that. And so it's like you're working almost every day, and things get really, really busy. And so, I mean, who has time for that? You kind of got it on your bucket list. Like, eventually, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll get to it eventually, just along with all these other things I'll get to. M maybe that's you. M maybe for you, um, you have absolutely no interest in reading the good book. Like to you, you are more interested in reading the terms and conditions to get onto Starbucks Wi-Fi <laughs> than you are in reading the good book. And uh, you're just, I don't, you're like, I don't get it. I don't know why anyone else would read it. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe, maybe that's you and that's okay. You know, it's a safe place. That's, that's totally cool. Um, maybe, I, I mean, I imagine maybe there's a, a third group in this room and uh, possibly for you, you don't read the Bible because you've read the Bible. Maybe that's you. You've already read the boring parts, the long parts. You've read the confusing parts. You've already read the, the, the irrelevant parts. You've read the uh, offensive parts. You've already read all of that, and you are decided, I don't really need any more of this. You know, some people read the Bible, and they become atheists at the end of it. Maybe that's kind of where you're at, where you've read it and you don't really feel the need to read anymore. So I don't know where you're at specifically, but uh, for all of us, we can all have different reasons why we don't read the good book. 
And today, what I want to do is I want to just give you one good reason to read it. Just, just, just one, okay? And that good reason you may expect is the reason why you should read the good book is because you want to. And see how it came together there. You want to read the good book. And so this is what I want to do today is I don't want to uh, try to convince you necessarily uh, that the Bible is God's word. That's not what I'm going to do tonight. Tonight, I'm not going to try to tell you what parts to take literally or figuratively. I'm not going to tell you how it was written, how it was organized, how, how um, you know, it was preserved. I'm not going to talk about Constantine. I'm not going to talk about all these different things. I'm not going to tell you even how to apply the Bible for today. There's so many things I could and probably should tell you that I'm not going to tell you tonight. What I want to tell you tonight is that you actually want to read the good book. No more, no less. That is my one goal, that by the end of the night, you would realize that you've already wanted to. And uh, so let's begin. Okay, so why do you want to read the good book? You're probably wondering that, like, oh, yeah, convince me. Here's the first reason why you already want to read the good book is because you want sleep. Something I know about you is that you want sleep. You know why I know that about you is because at least the majority of the people in this room are above the age of seven. And that means you want more sleep. And that means you're not getting enough sleep. You know why you're not getting enough sleep is because you are stressed and you are worried and you've got all these things on your mind keeping you up. And if I know uh, I could make a guess about you, 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 you've got things that are making you feel depressed, things that are making you feel anxious, and you would love just to get a little good sleep. Now, maybe what if the good book was actually a good source of sleep for you? What if the good book can actually help you uh, improve your mental health? You know, one uh, study out at Baylor University says that, yeah, actually, the Bible's been known to help people with uh, PTSD. And so there, there's some signs there. And I really do believe that the Bible can help you get good sleep. And here's how I see this happening is the Bible is full of all of these stories of people who have different experiences. But a lot of these people are just like us. They got their problems. They got their things they're worried about. And you start to notice that some of these people have bigger problems than we've got. And they call on God, and God tends to listen to them. God tends to answer their prayer. God tends to act when they cry out to them. And, and there's something about hearing story after story after story piled on top of one another of God coming through for people, and it brings a sense of security to me. Because if God can do that for them, God can do that for me. Same thing with all these different people. You realize that these people are, are failing in multiple ways. And, and some of their failures, some of their sin is big sin. Like, like if God's going to forgive this guy who kills somebody to cover up for an affair, like maybe he'll forgive me. You know, you start to realize that God is faithful over and over and over again to people who keep messing things up. You think, man, I'm not as bad as them. Maybe if God's going to forgive them. And, and God's going to work things out for them, maybe he's going to do it for me. And there's something about over and over and over again, hearing these stories of endurance, hearing these stories of encouragement and God's faithfulness that, that does something to me. It helps me sleep at night. It helps me to have peace and hope. I believe that's what Paul's getting at when he says in Romans 15, he says, for everything that was written, 
in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope, or we might have sleep. We might be able to sleep a little better. You know, for so many of us, uh, we, we're, we're so hungry, we're so looking for what can help us with, with our anxiety, what can help us sleep better at night. And, and if you can imagine right now, um, if we were sitting at a coffee shop and um, I was talking, you know, across the table to you and uh, you were asking me, like, what should I do, what should I do? And if you were to ask me, should I meditate? Do you think that would help to get me some better sleep? What I would say to you is uh, probably, yeah, sure. I think you should meditate. I think that'd be a good idea. If, if we were sitting at a table and you were to ask me, well, what do you think? Should I medicate? Should I medicate? I would tell you um, maybe, but uh, I'm probably not the one you should be asking. Maybe you should talk to a doctor about that. I'm not qualified to give you that answer, but I know, I know people. I have friends who that's helped a lot. So, yeah, yeah, sure, maybe. If you were to ask me, should, should I exercise? I'd say, yeah, yeah, I think you should exercise. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. If you were to ask me, should I take more breaks? I'd say, yes, you need to be easier on yourself. Should I take a vacation? I'd say, absolutely. If you were to say, should I give up on meat? I would say, not in a million years should you give up on meat. No, that would be a bad idea. That would not make you any happier. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I'd say, yeah, sir, if you want to. I'm not going to do it. But, you know, if you want to give up on meat, if you th that could be good for people. I don't no, I don't know. <laughs> but if you were to ask me, should I read the good book? I'd say, what do you have to lose, really? It's worked for so many people. Maybe it'll work for you. And so, and so I know something about you. I know you want sleep. I know something else about you that you're not going to admit right away, but you want success. You want success. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, no, I'm too good for that. No, no, no. I just want to be a good person. I don't want success. It's not about me. It's about it's about what I could do for others. And and some of you guys are such good heart. Maybe you could convince me. But for the most of us, I would say you're lying to yourself. You're lying to me because you want success. And I'll prove it to you because none of you, when you were a kid and you were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? None of you guys said broke. <laughs> you want success. Question isn't, do you want success? The question is, how are you going to get it? And a lot of us will do all kinds of things to get success, and a lot of people are willing to hurt people to get success. I want to tell you one way to help you get success might actually be through the good book. You know, it helped Joshua. I don't know if you know about Joshua, but Joshua was a man who wanted success. Joshua was desperate for success because Joshua was taking on the leadership from Moses. If you know anything about Moses, you know that Moses gets like four books of the Bible. Joshua only gets one. Moses is like, you know, he's the Moses, the Ten Commandments Moses. He's the parting of the Red Sea, like lifting up your staff and the water parts Moses. Moses is the standing up to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. Moses, Moses, you may not know this story. Moses was told to throw his staff on the ground. His staff turns into a snake. He picks it up. It turns into a staff again. This is a crazy guy. This is 10 plagues, Moses. This is bread come down from heaven, Moses. This is climb up on the mountain 
and have some time with God, come down from the mountain and veil your face. Why? Because your face is beaming with the glory of God and everyone else is getting their eyes sore from just being around you. This Moses was legendary. This Moses was the top guy. And this was a charismatic leader. And I don't know about you, but I've tried to take the place after a charismatic leader and it's no fun. And, and, and Moses performs this, this amazing stunt, and Moses does this incredible act, right? And then Moses <sighs> completes it, and he steps off the stage. And Joshua, I imagine maybe Joshua's sitting in the crowd, and he's looking up at that stage thinking, is anyone else going to try to, no, nobody? And Moses, timid, with all the imposter syndrome in the world, takes a step up on that stage. And he just with one question, how am I going to do this? How could I be a success? And I'm sure at one point you've asked that too. How is this going to work for me? I see it working for them. I saw it work for Adam. Did it really work for me? How can I be successful? And it's not a bad thing to ask that because God speaks to Joshua. And at the beginning of Joshua's story, he hears from God himself. And God says this. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And Joshua did that. He meditated on what was, you know, this is in the Bible, so it was uh, the beginning books of the Bible. He meditated on it, and it brought him success. And it worked for Joshua. It worked for David, too. David writes in the Psalms about those who meditate on the law day and night. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. What a promise. Are you kidding me? Meditate on the word and anything you do prospers and your leaf will not wither. You're you're going to have in some I, I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, you're going to die. You're going to get sick. You know, it's not like going to prevent that. But but in some way, you're going to your soul's going to be healthy and, and you're going to bear fruit. I think of that. I think you're going to be the kind of person that's a blessing to the other people around you. Like what a crazy promise. To say that if you meditate on the word day and night, you will be like this tree planted by streams of water. You may think that's kind of crazy to say, but, but I believe it. I believe it. Um, because I've lived this. I, you, a lot of you guys know my story. You, you already know. Like, I grew up without a dad. I grew up in poverty. I grew up with uh, a drug abuse home. And I had all these things going against me and all these opportunities I was missing and, and all of these mindsets that needed to be changed, all these habits and, and, and wrong views of the world that needed to be disrupted. And, and, you know, I look at where I'm at now and there's so much more I want in life, but I'm, I'm just, I, I see the life I have now and I think I am so blessed beyond measure. And I think to myself, there is no way I would be where I am today if it were not for those verses I memorized as a kid, if it were not for those mornings I spent in the presence of God reading the word of God, because that transformed my mind. 
and it made things possible for me. I believe it with all of my heart that the word of God can be a source for success. I want to walk you through that because it might be a little confusing. How does this really work? You read a Bible verse, you shall not murder, and you think, man, well, that clears up my afternoon, <laughs> you know. Um, what, does, what, what is actually going on when you read it? Well, you read do not murder, and then you read where Jesus says if you hate somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. And you start to realize that you're not just reading the good book. The good book is reading you, that it's active and it's alive and it pierces. And if you read it with an open mind, what it does is it actually shows things about yourself. It has this transformational power. And, and over time, you start to see things change in you. And your, your character becomes the kind of character that's a blessing to others, the kind of character that can manage and hold success. You become a different person. You become the kind of spouse who's easy to love. You become the kind of leader who's easy to follow. You become the kind of son or daughter who makes your parents proud. You become the kind of parent who trains and raises up a child in the way they should go. You become the kind of staff who's easy to promote. Why? Because you become compassionate and kind and thoughtful and, and hardworking, and you start putting others' interests above yourself, and you start seeing things through God's point of view, and you're able to forgive people, and you're able to work with people, and you're able to understand better, and you start to see the world not with you at the center of it. And what ends up happening is when you start putting others first, they start trusting you. They start liking you. They start wanting to be around you, and you start seeing that some good things happen now this isn't always a guarantee we know that we know that but but it's going to help you it's, it's going to get you a little further i truly believe that the word of god the good book is actually a source for success so before you read rich dad poor dad before you read you know seven habits of highly effective people before you read how to win friends and influence others you may want to consider reading the good book we've got sleep We've got success. And then finally, we got story. This is the last one for you, story. Why read the good book? Because it is a good, good story. And it's such a shame that um, so many people see the Bible and they think that it is just a rule book alone, or they see it and they think that it's just outdated, bad science, or they read it and they think that it's only just, you know, a little pick-me-up. And I miss out that the really, you know, if, if the Bible is nothing else, it is an amazing, brilliant, masterful story. It's a story. And I'm so excited to tell you guys this. This is one of my rants that I just love to say. Is I want to give you an example of this because it's a story with themes that run through it, in and out. And when you start to notice these themes, it makes it so much more enjoyable. You know, you know, I, I, I just watched uh, Doctor Strange, and I'm a sucker for all the Marvel stuff. And I just, I love a good story. And I don't know, maybe you're a Star Wars fan, but whatever you are, you love a good story. The Bible is better than any other story. It is so, so enjoyable. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So the, in the first few pages of the Bible, we're introduced to this garden, the Garden of Eden. And uh, what we know about the garden is that there is a tree, and it's important for us to know something about this tree. This tree is the tree of life, which means that if you partake of the tree, you have eternal life. 
But there's another detail about the tree that the author tells us is that the tree is located in the middle of the garden. And so I want you guys to remember that, that the tree is in the middle, okay? So I'm going to say it again, and I want you guys to, to say it. I want to make sure we're awake here. The tree is in the middle. middle. That was pretty good. I think we can do a little better. The tree is in the middle of the garden. Good job. First time was probably good enough, but I, I liked it. Second time was even better. I knew it would be. Um, tree in the middle. Okay. What else do we know about this garden? We know that it's on a hill, and 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 there's no verse that tells you that it's on a hill. Here's where it gets interesting. The authors of the Bible are actually making a little puzzle, a little riddle for us, because it doesn't say that the garden is on a hill. It says that there's a river flowing out of the garden. And so the author expects us to know basic physics. What? How do we know that the garden is on a hill? Well, you know, gravity. Okay, okay. You're thinking, this makes no sense. I, this doesn't matter at all. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. So we got this garden, okay? We move on. A couple chapters. We get introduced to this guy, Abraham. And Abraham's hearing from God all the time. And he's meeting with God all the time. And he's tending to meet with God and hear from God on a mountain, on a hill, or by a tree. You start to realize, okay, wait. Maybe trees and hills are sort of the symbolic pointers to meeting with God because because that original garden was where God and humanity met together maybe there's something there that this is the presence of God by tree and hill and you fast forward and you see a tree and a hill together again and you may not know that it's a tree because it's not called a tree all the time but but it is a tree where Jesus carries a tree up a hill and Jesus is nailed to that tree. And so when Jesus is nailed to the tree, he is on a hill. And that tree we tend to call a cross. And so we see these two images brought back together. And we know of Jesus that he is fully man and fully God. He is called Emmanuel, God with us. And so we, we see all of these kinds of images brought together. What is going on? And then you realize that we don't know where this cross is. The writers don't tell us that, but the writers give us another little puzzle. The writers don't tell us that, that the cross is in any particular location on the hill, but the writers will tell us that there are two other crosses, one on the right and one on the left. And so I'm going to really see if you guys know some basic, maybe kindergarten geometry here. If there are three objects... One is on the left, another is on the right, and the other is uh, in the middle. Does that mean that the cross of Christ is the new tree of life, that when you partake of the cross, when you believe how you respond to the cross is how you get eternal life? I don't know about you, but there's something I enjoy this stuff so much because it's it's not just intellectual to me. This this speaks to my heart so much. And there there's thousands of examples like this. This is just one theme that you kind of can trace through. It's over and over and over again. And and it, it just makes me want to worship. It makes me want to stand at the presence of God because when I see these connections, it's like it opens up the mind of God to me. And I see that this is a loving God. This is a creative God. 
This is a God who is in control of every little detail. He is writing all of history. And, and when I look at my life and I think, where is my life going? And I have so many questions and I have so many doubts. I can look to the tree. <laughs> I can look to these details. And I can say, man, God didn't miss a thing. I, I, I don't know. I Just thinking about it, just it, it, it blows me away. I just feel like as, as I see these, these patterns, I'm... I'm placed into a holy space. And that's what I think engaging the good book is like. It's, it's a good story. It's a good story. And so um, I just want to get a little practical here because um, I know I didn't really, I said I just had one goal, so I'm going to do this really quick. Maybe you are here and you're like, yeah, I want to read the Bible. You got it, okay? I want to read it. And uh, you might want to make it a habit. And so uh, the book Atomic Habits helps us with that. So um, to make anything a habit, you want to make it easy, enjoyable, visible, rewarding. Um, so easy, you know, think two minutes a day, not two hours a day. Um, think start in Philippians, not Leviticus. And uh, you can look it up for yourself. You'll look it up and you'll say, okay, yeah, Nick's right. Start in Philippians, not Leviticus. Uh, think enjoyable. Um, maybe you don't like to read. Well, there's lots of resources. You don't have to read it. You can listen to it. In fact, I do the majority of my uh, Bible engagement is through podcasts. I love podcasts. It doesn't need to be painful. Enjoy it. Make it visible. Make it visible. That means uh, maybe you want a physical Bible. Put it, like, right in the middle of the room, not tucked away. Or if it's, like, an app on your phone, put it on the first page, not the second, stuff like that, not tucked away in a folder. Make it visible. Make it rewarding. Give yourself some chocolate afterward. You did something good for your soul, you know. Um, so let's make it a habit. And I know what you're thinking by this point. I know what you're thinking. You're pretty upset with me. And you're upset with the world because you're like, I wanted to read the Bible this entire time, and nobody told me. Why is this that I didn't know I wanted to read it this entire time? And I know you're, some of you guys are really, like, tempted to throw a chair. But before you do, I'm going to tell you why nobody told you. I'm going to tell you why this has been such a mystery that you didn't know you wanted to read the good book. Is what you do is you got to go home, open up your laptop, and you got to type in Amazon. And you got to type in B-I-B-L-E into the search bar. You hit enter. You look for the first entry. You click on that, and then you scroll down to the description, and you're not going to see anything about sleep. You're not going to see success. You're not going to see story. You're not going to see any of the best stuff there. What you're going to see is the, the edges are nice and silver, and you're going to see all standard 8-point font as if we are going to knock down the doors. 8-point font? What? Okay. Sold. Like, like, I don't know when this happened, but the Bible, the good book, stopped being a source of transformation, and it became some source of decoration. We stopped turning to it to change our lives, just our living rooms. And so here's what we got to do. We got to rewrite the description altogether. Trash that stuff and, and rewrite this thing. And so here's what we're going to say. Here's what our new description on Amazon is going to be. We're going to start off with some endorsements right here. Why don't you take a look at this? We're going we're gonna to have some real endorsements for this thing. Right there. Ain't that nice? 
A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Charles Spurgeon said that. I love this one. I've experienced his presence in the deepest, darkest hells that men can create. I have tested the promises of the Bible, and believe me, you can count on them. Corey Ten Boom. A single line in the Bible has consoled me more than all the books I've ever read besides. Famous Immanuel Kant. What would I say in this new description? I'd say this is the best-selling book of all time. It's a story about love and betrayal, about liberation, about doubt and fear, about desire and hope. Discover how humanity gets banished from the Garden of Eden, how things unravel to the point of near extinction, and how one family is chosen to carry the promises of God to turn things around. Find out how this one family grows, becomes enslaved, and is rescued through frogs and gnats and hail. Discover how one million people find their way out of the desert to conquer a land of their own and become a powerful nation only to reject the God who initially rescued them and so find themselves banished again. In volume two, a new character emerges who's already been foreshadowed in hundreds of ways. This man's life is so unexpected, his teaching so remarkable, the events around his death and his resurrection so provocative that his story is told through four vantage points. After his death, his movement experiences explosive growth marked by devotion and love and service and, and equity, and, but not without its problems, its adversity from within and without. The story, though, it finally culminates when people are welcomed back into a new garden city. For thousands of years, this book has transformed lives on every corner of the planet. Copies have been smuggled into the countries. Lives have been lost in the work to preserve it. Without a doubt, the Bible has had more influence in shaping the world you and I live in today than any other writing in history. Isn't it about time you read it for yourself? Just be prepared. Through the stories, poetry, letters, you might find something strange happening. You may find yourself questioning old assumptions, desiring a more selfless life, and feeling drawn to Jesus. You have been warned. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Anchor Church's podcast. Every month we upload new episodes to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with God. If you'd like to get involved further or give into the mission of Anchor, please check out anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.